a rather large family, I often felt lonely. I struggled to develop relationships that lasted. During my 20s, I realized I was putting way too much stock in relationships to fulfill me. I had given up going to church, but I started to read my Bible again, and God spoke to me through the Bible. He helped me to see that I needed a meaningful relationship with Him first. So I agreed with God, and I asked Him to forgive my sins and lead my life. Since then, He's helped me build a rich relationship with Himself, but also rich relationships and healthier ones with other people. With God as my foundation, I no longer feel alone. Well, it's humbling to watch yourself on the screen like that. But then you realize how handsome you are, too. Uh, Good morning. Last week we talked about telling our story. And that's my story. And uh, telling our story in such a way that Jesus becomes the hero of the story, not us. And such a way that also helps to show the night and day difference that he can make in our life. And then... We talked about praying for three people who we could invite to come to worship with us and we could share our story with them and see them get on the life-changing journey with Jesus Christ. And so that was part of the plan uh, for last week. The, The beginning week of the series, we talked about mapping out your journey, which was just the week before that. And we introduced you to the journey plan. Uh, The journey plan, you can pick up a hard copy of it in a resource center, or you can just download it on that, uh, from the website that Rick just talked about. All that information is on the back of your uh, notes each week, all the information for the series. But the journey plan is built on Acts chapter 2, model of the church, where you individually walk with God, celebrating, connecting, contributing to his family and helping other people discover that life-changing journey. You do that on your own, but you also do it together. And so we laid that out for you, and each week we keep bringing you back to it. This week we're talking about the celebrate portion of the plan, which starts out with I'll celebrate God's grace by worshiping and just choosing one of the campuses to be consistent at for worship and a place where you could volunteer on the weekend too to support one of the services. But then the boxes or the lines that we're talking about today are this nurturing spiritual rhythms in my life by having a daily connection with God that includes... And then you seek out God for his direction, and then you ask your small group and the people, your companions with the journey for their perspective on that. And then the second one is having a a weekly reflection time with God that includes, and then you kind of discern that and figure that out. It may take you the better part of the nine weeks of this series to complete the journey plan. We don't expect you, this isn't a quiz on your spirituality, okay? This is mapping out your journey. So today we're talking about those spiritual rhythms, the weekly rhythm and the daily rhythm in our life that help us walk closer to God. You know, rhythm is something we witness all around us in life, inside of us, outside of us. Inside of us, we have the rhythmic pound of our heart. We have our pulse beat. Just the other day, I was cleaning up a bunch of leaves, and in my backyard, there's a a rather steep hill to go up and down, up and down, up and down, and I thought... I had some plumbers working at my house, and so I was, I was actually got in my mind just to get this work done. I thought, I'll race them. They're working on my well to see, to kind of replace my pump and my well. And I thought, I'm going to see who can get done first. Are they going to replace the pump first, or I get all the stuff? So I was going up and down, up and down, up and down the hill. And all of a sudden, I got up, to, up the hill, and I realized I hadn't eaten any breakfast that morning. I just had coffee. Coffee is not a good substitute for the Holy Spirit, by the way, in your life. And so my heart started to race. As I got, and I, and I sat down, and what did I do? I took my pulse. I wanted to see how fast is this going? Where is this going to? Can I slow this thing back down just by... 
So we're used to rhythms on the inside. Our physical body has rhythms. There's different parts. The cars that we drive, the motorcycles that we ride on, the bicycles. I have a bicycle. There's all kinds of integrated parts in that 21 speed that work together. And there's a rhythm to the ride when I'm riding. And there's gears to be shifted that help me go up hills, that help me coast down hills and safely enjoy the ride. There's the seasons of life and the rhythms that we see. Right now we're experiencing fall and headed into winter and it seems like, wow, that's coming on pretty quick. We see the leaves dropping and then we compost the leaves and we amend them into the soil and next spring they give life. And so there's these seasons all around us and within us, aren't there? We see the rhythms of life all around, but sometimes we don't discern that we need rhythms for our soul. And God gave us rhythms for our soul. He gave us a weekly rhythm called Sabbath rest. He gave us a daily rhythm that we call here at Daybreak the daily office. Office is a Latin word that means the work of God. And a daily office is letting, getting in tune with the work of God within, not just the work of God without. We're pretty good about looking at the work of God without, but within sometimes we can't get in tune with that. And so today we're going to look at those rhythms Now, some of you are sitting out there thinking, man, that whole thing of Sabbath rest, that's an Old Testament thing. That's over. That's done with. I'm not into that. And some of you are thinking this, hey, all this stuff, this daily office stuff and the Sabbath stuff and this whole rhythm stuff, all that stuff's for people like you, a priest, a pastor, or a monk. That's what you guys are supposed to do. You only have to work half of a day a week preaching a sermon The rest of the week, you go to the monkery, and you read the Bible, and you pray, and you light candles, and it's all for the clergy to do, you know? But the truth is that all of us have a soul, and our soul exists in front of God, and our soul needs to be attended to, and we're the keeper of our soul before God. And so all of us need to learn these habits, these rhythms. Some of us think this way, I don't have time to develop myself. So I will just live off of other people's spirituality. I'll watch Christian television. I'll read some Christian books. I'll watch some DVDs. I'll listen to some CDs. And there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves, but many of them do not drive you toward your own rhythm of your own time, getting before God, getting your soul before him. You're reading somebody else's thoughts and just putting it down and not doing anything with it. If you're living off somebody else's spirituality, the truth is you have a spirit, you have a soul, and God has nurture for you, and he has a relationship with you, and he has rhythms for you, and he wants to sit and be and talk with and listen to you. He has rhythms for your soul. Some of you have thought this, because I've thought this, I'll get around to tending to those things when life slows down. When life slows down, I'll set up new patterns. When I retire, when maybe next spring, when I take a new job or whatever, you know, and we just put it off. I, I am great at procrastinating about certain things. There's so, lots of things that I take care of right away. There's certain things that we procrastinate. Often we procrastinate when it comes to the rhythms of our soul. But life's never going to slow down and we need to develop the rhythms of the soul. Lisa Nowak is destined to forever be remembered as the psycho-kidnapper astronaut who drove across the country wearing diapers. In fact, 
I'm guessing that maybe most of you in this room had heard of her a couple of years ago. It's the time the crazy astronaut lady went on a diaper-wearing rampage. I don't know if you remember this or not. The story was well known. Noak resorted to resolving a love triangle with her and some other NASA astronauts and possibly even was contemplating murdering this other lady. She drove 1,400 miles from Houston to abduct this lady in Orlando. She did it by wearing a diaper throughout the trip because she, she did not have time for toilet stops when you're driving like a crazy woman. Of course, the diaper thing was at least somewhat mitigated by the fact that the device was one of those special absorbent astronaut garments that they were given that only she could get a hold of and other astronauts. And so no matter, no matter how whacked out the rest of her plan was, at least she was wearing the right diaper for the crazy trip to try to find this other person. Now we look at that and we say, oh yeah, well she was just totally whacked out. She was out to lunch. But what if, unbeknownst to us, 24 hours of our life was recorded? What would we look like when we played it back? Would we be surprised at how frenzied we were? How reactive we were and not proactive we were? Would we see any rhythm to our life, for our soul? Or would we kind of look a bit like Lisa, driving like crazy on the road trip, wearing a diaper so we don't have to stop? Sounds a little crazy this morning, but many times we're saying, I'll take time for my soul when, and God says, your soul finds rest in me alone. It's time to take time. The rhythm of the ride dictates how close we are or how distant we are from Jesus. You know, the Bible bears the fact that Jesus has no favorites. It says God has no favorites, but it also bears the fact that God does have intimates. People who choose to get closer to Jesus. People who choose to get into these rhythms of the soul where they draw closer to the master in different points of the ride. So I ask you this morning, are you drafting close to Jesus Have you kind of fallen back maybe into the middle of the pack? Or did you take a wrong turn in Albuquerque somewhere? And although you look around today, you can't see the master and you can't see many called out companions and you need a jump start today and a new direction from Jesus and some new perspective from them too. But wherever you find yourself today, the good news is this. God has a word for us in the middle of this road noise of life. And here's the word. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let's read that first phrase together. Be still and know that I am God. Underline that. Circle that. That's really the intention of spiritual rhythms is to get you still on the inside while the outside world is rushing on at full throttle. You can choke it back, and inside your soul, you can be still and know that he is God and not be running on a reactionary life. God's provided a roadmap to guide us. He's provided a story that he put inside us, and he's provided rhythms that help us commune with him. So let's get started in talking this morning. The rhythm of the ride is determined by reflecting with God weekly. It's determined by reflecting with God on a weekly basis. God gives us a commandment. 
It's right there in the top 10 to observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day of rest dedicated to God. Not just every once in a while, but in a cadence, in a rhythm, in a weekly rhythm for us, a full day every week. It says in Exodus 28 and 9 these words, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days are a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Underline that, dedicated to the Lord your God. It's our dedication and our desire to walk with God that drives the rhythms of our life. We, we were just talking about this in the green room between the services with the worship team. Why do we have rhythms? Why do we have spiritual disciplines like Bible study and meditation on, on the Bible and, and prayer and fasting? And why do we have them? So we can check off boxes? We could do it. But our motivation needs to come from our soul was created in the image of God and it's only complete when we're linked up with him. So the inner desire of the soul should drive us to these rhythms with God to find him. That's why Jesus said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. What did he say? Sabbath was made for the man. And when we keep it holy, it keeps us what? Holy. When we observe it, it helps to take care of us and to keep us centered and grounded in the God who made us and the creator who gave us the other six days to work and says, on this day, take a deep breath and rest and relax, stop. But clearly God didn't get the memo from my office this week that says Sabbath is not in vogue in the 21st century in the United States of America. It doesn't fit our context. It doesn't fit our schedule. I understand honor mom and dad. I get the whole adultery deal. I get all the other commands, but that one just doesn't fit. But it's interesting that it is the longest and most detailed in giving us instructions about us. Why? Because God knew we would want to take a pass on rest and just keep working and working and working to what? Prove ourselves? Prove our value? Ask yourself, why do I overfunction? Why do I just keep driving on the road trip, hitting it full throttle, not thinking that a piston's going to blow or I'm going to run out of gas? Why do I do that to my soul when Jesus says the Father's created a day for us to stop and rest and delight and to contemplate? We work hard as a nation. As a matter of fact, the stats show that the, uh, we are the most hardest working, we work the most hours of any developed nation on the earth, United States of America. And we wear that as a badge of honor. Doesn't it feel good today? We're overworking. We're overfunctioning. We wear it as a badge of honor. We're driving ourselves into the ground. Yay for us. We talk to other people and you start to share how busy you were this week and what do they do? They try to trump you. Right? Oh, you think you were busy. I really buried myself this week. It was, it was embarrassing. You should have seen it. I worked 28 hours a day. I know there's only 24, but I worked 28. <laughs> I worked two weeks in one week. 
You know, we kind of just go on and on and on. But we can't stop. And what's going on with us? Our tendency is to work ourselves to exhaustion and then take a rest. We find people, and I'll get calls sometimes from hospitals, and I'll go in and they'll say, they can't find what's wrong with me. They think I have fibromyalgia, or they think I have this, or whatever. And you start talking to the person, and they have just been driving it and driving it and driving it for a year on end until the body just shuts down. It says, I can't stand this anymore. Your, your body becomes like Popeye the sailor man. That's all I can stand because I can't stand no more. And it just shuts down on you. Dallas Willard taught for years at the University of Southern California. He was a Christian light at the University of Southern California as he taught in the uh, philosophy and psychology departments. And he said this about hurry and our souls. Hurry is the great enemy of our souls today. Being busy, is, being busy, busy is mostly a condition of our outer world. It's having many things to do. But being hurried is a problem of the soul. It's being so preoccupied with myself and what myself has to do that I'm no longer able to be fully present with God or fully present with you. There's no way a soul can thrive when it's hurried. Busyness is outside, but we have allowed the busyness of the world to precipitate back and feed back into our soul. And so we've lost this mooring place called peace in our lives. And so God calls us back to a place of rest where the soul can find realignment with our maker, where we can get perspective for the next six days of our journey. And he calls us to come and breathe the rhythms of Sabbath to stop and to rest and to delight, and to contemplate. It's interesting when I read the story of creation, the things that I can learn, the new things that pop up to me. I mean, I've read it many times. I've studied it. In seminary, I had to study in the Hebrew, original Hebrew text that it was written in and, and, and write papers on it. But it's amazing that every time you look at God's word, it's like a multifaceted diamond. You can just see a new part of it. And as I was reading it this week, there was a couple things that stood out to me. The rhythm was one of the things that stood out to me the most. Just kind of this rhythm, this beautiful picture of these ideas of work and rest and things that God's doing. And when I read through this story, I saw the the sun and the moon. There was day and night. And this pattern keeps being repeated over again. It keeps saying there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the second day. There was evening and there was morning. It's just a poetic interchange. But you know what I realized? I don't look at days like as evening and then morning. How do I look at days? I start with the morning. And then I work my way to evening. But in the text of scripture, it says that God starts with evening. And then works to morning. He starts with the rest of the day. He begins with rest. And then out of rest, he moves to work. I don't think about life that way. I think about life happens when I wake up. When I wake up and... You know, I arrive, life can start. And I don't think that God's been doing many things, even in my own soul, while I'm at rest and I'm at sleep. Every once in a while I remember that, and so when I'm putting my head in the pillow at night, I pray what I prayed for my children when they were growing up. I used to pray for them, may all your dreams and visions only be from God. 
And every once in a while when I'm conscious of it, and maybe it's a new pattern I should develop for my soul, I should pray over myself and my wife as she lays by my side, may all of our dreams and our visions be from you. As we rest tonight, you're at work. You're at work within. So I will rest. I will stop. And you can keep working, oh Lord. That's good with me. Because you're developing my soul. I hadn't noticed a number of things about the text that I noticed this time. That was one of them. And I've noticed that the world will keep spinning on its axis very well, even if I stop. But I often don't think that way. And then I looked at the creation story again. I read it back over again. As a matter of fact, there's two accounts of creation that are tied together at the beginning of chapter 2 with this whole idea of Sabbath. And I wondered if the intention of the author there was to say that Sabbath rest ties together both stories of creation. Whether you look at it as a wide angle or zoom in, the story of creation, the story of how we operate, the story of the beginnings, the story of how it all works with us and God is informed and underlined by Sabbath rest. I wonder if that's what he was saying by putting that as the bridge between the two. So let's look at that creation story again. It says that God creates amazing things on days one through five. He creates water and sky and sun and moon and plants and trees and birds and all these kind of things. And then on day six, he makes man. He makes Adam and Eve. He makes them in his image, and he introduces them to this amazing world that he's created. And I imagine as they take a look at it, they are just captivated. Because everything is perfect, just as God has intended. And then as I'm reading the story, I'm pretty certain, because he's given them this mandate, roll over it, take care of it, in my image, just as I would take care of all the my creation that I've assigned you to do. And I'm thinking this, get to work, right? But what do they do the next day? What did God create on the seventh day? He established rest. He rested from his work. So they are assigned this work, told to do it, and then he says, okay, stop. Before you even start that, let's take a 24-hour period to rest your soul before me. Maybe my way of looking at I work so I can rest, I work so hard so I can take a vacation is wrong. Maybe I have it backwards. Maybe I'm supposed to take a vacation so that I can be well rested for the next year. Maybe God intended and built us to rest first for our work. Maybe He did that so we would value it at least equally or even maybe more than what we could produce. That to be in his presence and enjoy his creation. I mean, what did they do in the Sabbath day with God? Maybe they got to go with God and hang out under a waterfall. And ask him, how did you make this water? How is H2O formed? How did you make those rocks? And How did you dream up that bird and... How about that mountain lion over there? That thing's pretty awesome. Let's go over and pet it. The mountain lion just purrs and they run their hands down its back. Because all things were right. 
All things were as they were intended. But they started with rest. They started with rest. Stopping, resting, delighting, contemplating. Those are four parts of the Sabbath if you're a good Hebrew person. Stop means the work won't ever be done, so just stop. Don't stop when the work's done because the work's never done. Don't stop when your to-do list is done because it'll it'll never be over. You're never going to stop. Stop because God says it's time to stop. We're done. Remember when you were in grade school and you were taking that quiz and the teacher would go, okay, stop. It's time to be done. And you were like, no, I didn't get the last one down. I knew what the last answer was. And I, you know, I wanted, you know. And the teacher just gently said, no, Joel, it's time to stop. We're going to stop now. It's all right. You know, sometimes I wish I was back in kindergarten where they really made you stop. Remember, remember when you had the blanket you put on the floor and before you got it, you got a little bit of milk and cookies. And I remember these things. We called them pink elephant cookies. They were shaped like an elephant. They had this pink icing on them. And uh, they were like manna, I think, from heaven. Because <laughs> you ate one of those and you got your little carton of milk that cost two cents at the time. That's how old I am. The carton of milk was two. Th- chocolate was three. So if your parents were really wealthy in Lewistown, you could get a chocolate milk. But I remember, what, what do you do? They'd put us down. What did we do? We took a nap. We took a nap in the midst of learning. We stopped. Why? Because it was time to stop. God has prescribed times for us to stop in our life as patterns. He also has times in our life as seasons, as kairos it's called in the New Testament. Where it's a season of our life where he's stopping us. He's slowing us. Sometimes he won't even allow us to keep it at full throttle. He may do that by changing a job. He may do that by letting our health run its course and we get inhibited a bit. He may do that by having things removed from us so we have to slow down and think about what life is really about and stop. Resting is giving yourself a break, setting the agenda aside, not having appointments, not having your phone go beep, 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 like mine does. Ring. Okay, you're in the 45 minutes from through this appointment and you got another one coming. And another one coming. And another one coming. On Sabbath, we turn it off and we put it away. And we say, I just have an appointment with God and perhaps my family. And sometimes I need a Sabbath rest from them and they need a Sabbath rest from me. Which brings us to delight. Delight in the small things. Go for a bike ride or get on a kayak or take a hike or walk your dog an extra long walk and enjoy nature and smell and sense things and look at things. Take in beauty. Beauty is something we rush by. I rush by so many things in nature and so many made things that are beautiful. Sometimes I I rush by architecture. And sometimes on the Sabbath, if I'm walking through a city or a place, I can notice the brickwork of a beautiful building. Somebody took time to make that. Someone was a craftsman. Someone planned that out. And then the craftsman, that's... And I can thank God that he gives us the ability 
to be craftsmen like him, to be creators like him in his image. But I don't notice that when I'm hurrying on. I don't delight in that. In other words, what have you died to that God didn't tell you to die to? Because it's a delight for your soul. Then contemplate. Contemplate is, is this. Rick Warren has put this really well. Because a lot of us say, I don't know how to contemplate. And he says, if you know how to worry, you know how to contemplate. <laughs> Take the same pattern of worry. Worry is what? Getting obsessed with one thing and looking at it from all angles. Apply that to scripture. Get obsessed with that verse. Look at it from all angles. And ask God what he's saying to you. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate, you know how to be a contemplative person. It's all about these rhythms getting us connected with God so our soul has some tenacity. It has some endurance. We don't want to be on the ride for just a couple miles. We want to be on the ride for a lifetime. We want our faith to stretch over the years and become stronger and more durable. We want to pass it on to another generation. We want them to be able to sit around a table with us and ask us stories about our faith. So we can pass it on. But that won't happen if we're just moving on at full throttle. They don't want to come to that table. And I don't blame them. But they want to come to the table of God. Where the stories of God are told. Where God is the hero. Where the rhythms of the ride bring us together. Where we delight and we learn about what's your delight. This is my delight. Wow. Look at what God's planted in you and me. Sabbath rest gives us the time to choke back, get perspective, take a deep breath of God in, breathe out the cares and worries of our life. My wife Debbie and I are uh, training for a 5K, which I hope I'm ready for. It's a turkey trot one, so I still have some time. I need to cut back on the cookies a little bit more. But in the fall, cookies just taste so good, don't they? It's cold, and you have a good Toll House cookie in this hand, glass of milk in this hand. It just, you know what it tastes like? It tastes like more. <laughs> I want more. I ate this one. I want more. That's what it tastes like. So uh, we're, we're training for this, and we're using this app on our phones called C25K. And C25K stands for Couch to 5K. <laughs> I got couch down. I got the cookies and milk down. It's the 5K that I don't have down. So, but what it does is it starts you out mostly walking and just doing a little bit of running. Now, I've been on an elliptical trainer for the last five years. My knees are a little bit sore and old, so I got an elliptical trainer. It's a totally different deal to be an elliptical trainer than it is to be out running on a hard surface. Let me tell you, the heart rate goes up quite a bit faster. But what they do in this is they, they elongate the interchange. First, you're walking mostly. And then you become running mostly, but there's still this interchange of walking and running, walking and running. And they do that, the interchange, the rhythm of those graduates so that what? Your body becomes one that can endure a three plus mile running race. So the goal is endurance. But they do that by having a rhythm of walking and running, walking and running. Yesterday, we got to the two mile mark in running. And now, I wouldn't really say we were running. How about it, babe? We were, we were putting one foot in front of the other, and, you know, small cats and dogs in the neighborhood were passing us. <laughs> Never could keep up with that chipmunk. 
but you know, we made two miles, so you know, we were joking. I said, how about a pumpkin whoopie pie after that? We'll celebrate with a donuts or something, you know. But that's what the rhythms of the ride are about. The rhythms of the ride are about creating a flexibility and a tenacity of the soul to make it for the long haul. Because our soul exists before God. And we attend to it. We attend to it weekly. We attend to it daily. We say, God, the eternal part of me is my soul. And it's what holds the rest of me together. It's what integrates me. And when I don't attend to it, I'm disintegrated. But when I attend to my soul, I feel this rhythm. I feel an integration. Even though things aren't going great out here all the time. Something good's happening in here. And then it exudes and makes an impression on what's going on around me. Dallas Willard also said this, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Wow, what an assignment. Write that down. That's what I want you guys to do this week. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Come back next week and we'll all be unhurried and we're all going to be good, right? It's going to take more than a week to unlearn some of those patterns of inner hurriness, worry, doubt. And to get our souls lined up with God. Why did Jesus say that we weren't made to serve the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made to serve us? Because he knew Sabbath was a gift God created and gave to us so he could help us remove the hurried nature of our soul and get before God where everything's all right. He's in control and I'm not. And that's the way it's to be. But there's another rhythm of the ride. The second rhythm of the ride is also determined by connecting with God daily. The rhythm of the ride is also determined by connecting with God on a daily basis. You know, sometimes as I read scripture, I'm able to read through multiple chapters or multiple books of the Bible. I like to do that sometimes where I can sit down for like an hour or maybe two hours where I can just read through like all of the epistles. Or I can read through the four Gospels at one shot. I just like to kind of survey them. I've, I've read them closely enough and studied them that I can sit and look at them. And it reminds me when I do that, I like to do it because it reminds me of walking through a gallery. Like a great art gallery. And uh, I like to walk through art galleries. I like to look at the paintings. I look at, look at the brush strokes. I like to look at and think of why did they paint that that way? What does that mean? And so I see God's word as great works of art. That God wants to make an impression on us with him. As I walk through the gallery, I see this one. This is one I return to often. I like this one. I like to look at the brush strokes. I like to look at the nuances of it. I keep learning more and more and more as I meditate on these beautiful portraits that God's painted. This is the one I like to look at in detail. It's when Jesus was so hurried, he was doing ministry, and the crowds were coming around him, and stuff was amping up, and people were coming to be healed, and they were, and people who didn't understand the word of God could now understand it, and people who walked in darkness were now in light, and people who were dead were raised from the dead and now had life again, and all this miraculous stuff is happening, and the lights are coming on, and night and day differences are happening in people's life, and there's this fury of activity And I see the brushstrokes of that painting that go like this. Then Jesus said, let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. They left by boat for a quieter spot. Underline that. So they left by boat for a quieter spot. 
Jesus knew what overload was all about. He wasn't unfamiliar with it. The crowds wanted to hear him speak. The hurting wanted to be healed from their afflictions. The Pharisees wanted him to defend his theology. The demands of life followed him everywhere he went. And you would have thought he would have pushed himself to the limit to meet all those demands in the short three years he had here in ministry. But he doesn't. He does something different. The painting looks different than we'd thought. He doesn't come with a strategy to maximize every moment of every day. He doesn't stay up. He doesn't pull all-nighters except for in prayer before the Father. And he does something different. He says, when the frenzied pace ramps up, when Maslow's hierarchy of needs is violated so you can't even eat a meal, climb in a boat and get away to a quieter spot with me. That's the answer. You ever feel like life has challenged your ability to even do the basics well? Well, perhaps Jesus is inviting you to a boat ride today. Maybe it's a daily boat ride where you get away with him and you rest and you catch your breath and you come into holy communion with a holy God who built your soul to do that with him 24-7. And he has that rhythm for you for the ride. Have you heard the voice of Jesus saying, let's get away, get in the boat with me and get some rests? The daily office pattern I talked to you about earlier is based on that that Latin word for work. That's where we get the word office from. It's kind of a literal, almost a wooden translation. So it seems kind of weird, like we're doing this daily office with God. What's that mean? If you want to put the work of God within... (laughs) that's really what that word means, the work of God within. See, we spend all this time concentrating on our work without. We overfunction. We do too much. We spend some good time thinking about our work and doing it well, but often we just get enamored in that world, and we don't think about the work. We don't attend to the work within that God's doing. We're cooperating with all this outward work, but we're not cooperating and attentive what God might be speaking within and the changes and rearrangements and affirmations and the building that he's doing of our soul. And so this morning, I want us to try to experience the read, reflect, respond, and return cadence of a daily office. I don't want to do that, but I want us just to do it. I don't want to just teach about it. I want us to try it. Just take a few moments here to try it. Is everybody willing to try? If you're willing to try, say, I'll try Okay? Okay, some of you didn't say it, so you're out. You don't have to try it. Let's just try this. And we're going to go back to this passage of Scripture from Mark 6, 31 and 32. We're going to read it out loud together, and then we'll start kind of our daily office pattern. Let's read it out loud together. Then Jesus said, let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and apostles didn't even have time to eat. They left their boat for a quieter spot. Now we're going to do the read part, okay? In a daily office, there is read, reflect, respond, and then return to it later on in the day. So we're going to do the read. I want you to read this passage of Scripture to yourself. Look down at it. Start by reading it the way you normally would. On the second round, I want you to slow it down a little bit. 
On the third round, I want you to read slowing down. Like you're really reading it to take in every word. Now I'm going to give you a couple. I'm going to do that myself and give you a couple moments to do it right now. Just go ahead, read it three times. Natural cadence, slowed, and then really slow. Okay? Go ahead and do that. Now I want us all to look up at the scripture on the screen, or you can observe it on your, on your handout if you want. And I want you to read it this time, but with this question in the back of your mind. Ask God, what are you trying to say to me through these words of scripture this morning? God, what are you trying to say to me from these words of scripture this morning. And then just read it quietly to yourself again, slowly and reflectively. Now the respond part is this. The respond part is look at the scripture again. Any words that popped out of the page from you, circle those. Circle them right now. Any phrase that popped out, underline it. Any question that came to your mind, jot it in the margin. Any thought you had, Write it down there. Just take a couple moments to do that. Responding by circling keywords that you see and by writing out questions is a way of journaling. You may have heard of the spiritual discipline of journaling. It's a way of beginning to keep a journal of your questions and your thoughts and your reflections so that on Sabbath, you can look back at your journal 
and say, what has God been saying to me all week long that he might be reinforcing when I'm at rest and I've quieted myself before him? And then return. I want you to think about a time later today. Maybe for you it's dinner time. Maybe it's late afternoon. Maybe it's half time between the games. Or you have about 15 minutes. Or maybe a little less than that. For me it's usually right before I go to sleep. Return to this. Return to these verses. Return to your thoughts. And just read it one more time quietly. And then maybe as you drift off to sleep, pray this child's prayer that we learned growing up. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my self to keep. No, my soul to keep. This is the part that's kind of creepy for little kids. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then my mother taught me another part. It was God bless mommy and daddy and Roger and Edna and Lynn and Uncle Jerry and Aunt <laughs> And the list went on. Usually I fell asleep before the list was completed. But pray a short prayer. Say, Lord, as I am sleeping tonight, inform my soul about who you are and I am and how I can sync up and walk with you even when I'm at rest. These are the four movements of a daily office. You don't have to do your daily office that way. It's just a suggestion to you. But it will help you begin to reflect and record some things, to write some things down, to respond and be able to return to them. The idea is that you establish a daily rhythm where you're hearing God's voice and you're resting from the activity of your day and you're entering back into his presence because his presence is with you all day long, right? It's not like it went away and you're entering. It's you're entering back into it intentionally to attend to it. He's with you all the time anyhow. The real question is, are you with him? Are you aware of him? Are you walking with him? Are you following his lead? Are you hearing his nuances? Are you hearing his whispers as he delights to speak to us as his children? He loves to be with you. That's the truth. He loves to be with you. Take the time. Pursue him as he's pursuing you. God's word says it this way. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. It's to live in the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord. You know what that meant for people in the Old Testament? It didn't mean this place. When they said the house of the Lord, the actual words that were used there was the tent of the Lord. Because the original place that the Lord, they thought, resided with them was in something called the tabernacle. Which was a large tent that looked like their tents, but it was bigger. The whole idea was God has come down and he set up his tent 
in the middle of all of our tents. And he resides with us. That same impression, that idea, is where Jesus got the name Emmanuel. The God who comes down and sets up camp with us. And so on a weekly basis, he wants to sit down by the fire at the tent of meeting with you. On a daily basis, he wants to come into the tent of meeting with you. Because he is Emmanuel. He is with us. But he wants you to get in tune with that. That's what the rhythms are about. That's what the offices are about. They're not constraints. They're not quizzes on our spirituality. They are rhythms for the soul to get ourselves before God. Another quote from Dallas Willard, he put it this way. You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing total contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. You must arrange your days so that you're experiencing total contentment and joy and confidence in your everyday life with God. The rhythm of the ride is what pulls us close to the master, gets us following him. As we embark on this journey, as we continue it, we've got to clear the clutter from our ears and hear the words of Psalm 46 that tell us that the Lord is the one who stills us and quiets us. As we watch this next video segment, it recounts the words of Psalm 46 in a way that appeals to the soul, but it also reflects all of the sounds around us that distract us from God. As you listen to it, say, God, help me hear you through the distractions of life, and then just take in the song that follows. It's about stopping and getting off the train and walking with God together. Lord, I thank you for this time just to watch this video, to take it in, to hear this song and the words of it. And we just want to stop the madness around us, but really we want to stop the madness within us. But that can only be attended to when you come and you show us this place in our soul for you. And so, Lord, as we watch this video and as we hear the words of this song, help us to bring our soul before you, being attentive to it and your words to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's watch this video together. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is a fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters his heart. He burns the shield of fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Talking, the telephone's ringing, the lights are all on, and the radio's screaming. A million distractions stealing my heart from you. I'm tired and empty, this life is relentless. It weakens my knees and it breaks my defenses. It's wearing me down and I'm desperate to hear from you. Stop the world, I want to get out. I need an escape away from this crowd just to hear you. i 
Take some time to just record maybe a personal reflection you had, something God spoke to you this morning that you just need to scribe down. Maybe you already did that in your outlines. You don't, you don't need to put it back down here. Or maybe you have a prayer request that arose in your heart, someone you're praying for. Maybe it's yourself, and you need our prayer partners to pray over that request this week. Just record that there. And later on as you leave, just drop this in the offering box as you go. If you need prayer anytime between now and the end of the service, our prayer partners are waiting back in the prayer room. You just go through the lobby back here and down the hall to the left, and you just tell them what you need prayer for, and they just pray for you. They don't counsel you. They don't prescribe things for you. They just listen to you and lift up your, your intention of your heart to heaven for you. If you need that anytime between now and the end of the service, just feel free to get up, walk back, go to the prayer room and do that. Take a couple of moments this morning to record some of your reflections and your requests as we listen to the words of this next song together. 